Hello, it's Simon Calder here, travel correspondent at The Independent, and welcome to The Independent Premium Events Podcast. In this series, you'll get the chance to listen back to all the live events that we put on here at The Independent for our premium subscribers. If you aren't subscribed already, click the link in the description and sign up today for access to loads of exclusive articles, including in-depth analysis from people like me, long reads, opinion pieces and much, much more. As a subscriber, you can attend events like the one you're about to hear for free and get involved with them as well. So make sure you click on the link in the description of this podcast and subscribe to Independent Premium. Good evening, everyone, and a really warm welcome to our Future of Travel event, a live Q&A with Simon Colzer, brought to you by Independent Premium as part of our virtual event series. Um, some of the keen-eyed amongst you might be thinking, I know illustrious travel correspondent Simon Colzer, and that ain't him. And you're right, my name is Helen Coffey, I am the Independent's Deputy Travel Editor, Please don't worry, we'll be with Simon extremely shortly. Um, but I'm just going to explain to you how tonight's going to work and how we're going to facilitate things. Um, so first of all, Simon's going to give a brief introduction about how the travel landscape is looking at the moment. And then we're going to dive straight into your questions, because that is what this evening is really all about. And some of you have sent us questions in advance. Of those, some of you have been approached by us asking if you're okay to present your question live on Zoom to Simon. Um, so please don't worry, you'll already know if that's you. We're not just going to randomly bring people um, onto the chat with us. Um, if that is you, the one thing to be aware of is that when we tried this in the past on Zoom, because the wonders of technology, um, sometimes it brings you onto the call without your microphone or your camera switched on, which is not very helpful. Um, so if you're brought in to ask your question, could you just check that those things are on? And you can do that by hovering your mouse or tapping on your screen, depending on what device you're using. And there are two icons on the bottom left of the screen. One is your video, one is your microphone. If either or both of them have a line stri striked, stricken, a line through them anyway, it means they're off. So please just turn them on for us by either tapping or clicking on the icon. And that means we can see and hear you, which will be fabulous. Um, anyone who is not in that group, you can still ask your question of Simon this evening. Um, some of you have already done so, so thank you very much, um, by using the Q&A button at the bottom of your screen. If you click on that and type in a question, it pops up. Um, and not everyone can see it because that would be absolute carnage, but me and Simon can see it and we can have a look and see what kind of things we'd like to be answering throughout the evening as well. I apologise in advance. I don't think we're going to get through everyone's question because we've only got an hour and there are already 168 participants on this call, which is pretty amazing. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, one last thing to mention is that we're going to be using a couple of polls this evening. Now, this is a new feature that I hadn't seen before, so please don't be alarmed if a little pop-up comes on your screen asking you a question about travel. That is from us, I promise. Um, so just click on the answer that applies to you, and we'll be having a bit of a discussion about what that looks like in terms of people's appetite for travel and going on holiday this year. Um, but that is enough from me. I'm going to introduce the man, the myth, the legend, Mr Simon Calder. Thank you so much, Helen, and uh, good evening, everybody. And uh, it's a great, great pleasure to be here. Um, thank you for your uh, joining us. And we're going to try and get through as many questions as we possibly can. Um, starting, I believe, with actually what I would like to tell you about where we are. Of course, nobody has ever seen anything like these times. Um, you will be aware, of course, that um, since the 23rd of March, which was when lockdown began, it's not been possible for anybody to travel anywhere for fun and even for six days before that the foreign office warned against all but essential travel abroad as a result of that uh, my passport is so old um, that it's really seen no no action at all for um, over two months and I'm getting pretty cheesed off and I know lots of other people are as well and of course it's natural to think we are in the middle of a national disaster how can you possibly be talking about travel um, well I think uh, travel is actually pretty important both economically and emotionally and 
Furthermore, um, if we do not travel, then we will uh, lose a, a great industry. And while, of course, one's sympathy is entirely with the uh, loved ones of the victims of this horrible, horrible uh, virus, um, we, we do have to kind of look to the future. And that's what we'll be doing tonight. But nobody's going anywhere right now, of course, because um, we haven't met the five tests that need to be uh, performed before any of us is allowed to uh, uh, go abroad. And if you can um, have a look at that uh, uh, screen. So first test, of course, can you uh, get the reach the international rail station, the airport or the seaport? Um, the answer is no, unless you've got an essential reason to travel. So that's uh, that's not going to do anybody much good at the moment. That has to be lifted. Uh, has the Foreign Office warning against overseas travel been lifted? No, it has not. I am in contact with the Foreign Office regularly. I regularly say to them, um, tell you what, do you want to lift the uh, blanket warning and why not instead have a warning um, uh, appropriate to the particular destination? And they say, no, um, we're not going to do that. We will do that in good time. Um, a um, bit more good news on, on test number three. Is there a flight, a ferry or a train to my destination? Um, we have seen at the same time as the government has uh, been trying to close things down, and we'll get to that in just a moment, um, that uh, airlines, um, Ryanair in particular, EasyJet, of course, uh, starting up. Eurostar has never stopped running, neither's Eurotunnel, and there are still ferries shuttling back and forth, particularly between Dover and Calais. So that one's all right. And, and number four, which looked like it was going to be a really, really difficult test, will the destination admit me? Now, uh, yes, it will increasingly. I was on the phone to the Director of um, Cro uh, Tourism for Croatia on uh, Friday, and she said, yep, over you come. There's a flight in the morning, Frankfurt. You can change planes there, get to Zagreb. No problem at or uh, why don't you um, come and uh, uh, join us now? Obviously, because tests one and two don't uh, haven't been satisfied. I couldn't do that, but we are now seeing an arms race between the different countries, um, trying to be the first one to uh, lure British people back, lure anybody back with the with the. Um, uh, reservation, of course, that very sadly Britain has uh, pretty much the worst um, coronavirus uh, record in, of any major country in the UK, uh, in Europe, and that is clearly a disincentive to countries such as Greece, Cyprus, and Malta. And the fifth test, which the government has introduced this month, can you tolerate the quarantine restrictions uh, that will apply when you come back? Uh, the government has confirmed um, just in the past few minutes, indeed, Boris Johnson was saying that, yep, uh, 8th of June, you will need to go and self-isolate for two weeks if you uh, fly into the UK from the uh, 8th of June onwards. And that's open ended. Um, and uh, that's why British Airways has said, OK, we will um, uh, fly you back at no extra charge if you want to come back and uh, go straight to uh, your home without having to self-isolate and they've just uh, introduced that policy. So those are the five tests. I hope that sort of covered a lot of common ground. Um, can we go to the first question? And I believe this is Janet Thompson, if I'm not mistaken. Is that uh, tally with um, everybody's plan? Yes, it is. Hi, Simon. Um, I just wanted to ask, uh, we booked our flight uh, to Indonesia with a travel company. The flight um, was cancelled whilst at the airport. Who, um, we can't speak to, to Emirates, who uh, the flight was with. Who who's, has the liability there? Um, the airline or the travel agent? Uh, so, so when were you going to, supposed to be going and how much did you pay? Well, we, we got over there, um, but the flight was cancelled uh, when we came back. It was um, £4,000. It was a, a business class Ooh. flight from Edinburgh to um, Jakarta. And uh, so we got over there and then uh, we made our way back to Jakarta for the flight and um, it transpired that was when Dubai, where it was going via Dubai, uh, was cancelling its, or was closing its borders that night. So they actually, uh, only the crew flew back and um, therefore we had to, we actually came back on a repatriation flight with the Germans eventually. And um, uh, obviously, the Emirates will not will not speak to us, but um, I'm, I'm not sure uh, the travel company will have just advised that they will they will do what they can about reimbursement. 
Okay, well, look, that's a, that's a good question. Lots of other people have asked variants of it, including Lynn Bet Bentley, uh, Stuart Felt, and Mark Chivers. And thank you for that, Janet. So, um, yeah, the, the basic um, premise is that if you have a flight from the UK and it's cancelled, then the airline or the agent you got it through has to give you your money back within uh, just uh, a week of when the cancer flight was supposed to leave. Of course, that's not happening in practice. You're in a much worse position. Although, Janet, I imagine you didn't pay a fortune for the um, German repatriation flight. I, I understand they're around about 250 euros. Is that right? Yeah, um, it was interesting. It was um, it was 100 euros to book each seat. And then we were, un we, were understand we understood that we would um, have to... Um, pay up the balance of that, but nothing's come through yet. Um, okay. We also booked a flight, um, Dubai, um, Emirates originally cancelled just the second leg of the journey from Dubai to Edinburgh, so we booked a British Airways flight there, but that's cancelled as well. But yes, um, so that's, we're still to get that back as well. But yes, okay. it's very cheap, very cheap German flight. <laughs> Good. Well, I'm, I'm, that, that's good because I'm not going to bring you much great news about your the rest of it. Um, yes, because you'd already got there, um, the fact that you were travelling on a non-European airline from a non-European airport means that effectively your your rights have, have, have been uh, trashed, unfortunately. And so therefore, um, you can ask Emirates, and I imagine that they're probably going to say, yeah, we'll give you a voucher valid for um, that, that, that value, which is not going to be as much as you paid, but um, uh, they, because they, they can escape the uh, European air passenger rights rules because you weren't in Europe when it happened. Um, and in terms of other flights, so the BA one that you missed, that's a travel insurance matter. Uh, but keep chasing Emirates. Of course, they've turned in from the world's biggest uh, carrier of intercontinental passengers to uh, the world's biggest issuer of vouchers and, uh, and in some cases refunds, but sadly not yours, Janet. So uh, thank you very much indeed for your question. Um, and I've got something that's slightly related here on our on our Q and A panel, Simon. Um, someone said, and we've had a lot of queries of a similar nature, that they booked a ten day rail holiday to Switzerland um, with rail bookers, and despite reminding them of their obligations under the package travel regulations, they refused four times to offer a cash refund and are ins insisting on a refund credit note. Um, because they but they don't want to rebook they just want the refund i mean if you're in that situation what can you do should you just keep go, going back and saying no i want my money uh, yes that's all you can do exactly right um helen and uh, Stuart, i'm sorry this has happened to you but it's absolutely typical of an awful lot of people particularly it must be said with um kind of smaller to mid-range uh, travel operators. They are in a right old muddle um, because of the way that the travel industry works. So effectively, it's a very cash positive business, which means that, um, uh, Stuart, you give me um, your money. Um, I don't keep it in a safe place until you come back from your holiday, in which case I pay all the suppliers. But in fact, I use it to pay for Helen's trip. She's on it at the moment. So I'm handing your money in to pay for, for everything else. And that sounds a bit like a Ponzi scheme. And indeed, it's been described as just that. Um, but uh, it's, it's perfectly legal. However, it's not legal anymore when you get to the point where your trip has been cancelled, at which point they are supposed to come around your house, Stuart, with your money in cash or similar instruments and return it to you within two weeks, not, not of the date you were supposed to go, but of the date that they were notified you of the cancellation. Now, that has been ignored by almost every travel company. Um, certainly trail finders and EasyJet holidays say they've been doing slightly better. Jet2 I've heard good reports of, but everybody else. I mean, um, I am playing lockdown refund bingo. So I am still owed money by TUI, by P&O Cruises, by EasyJet, by Ryanair, by British Airways. Um, the only luck I've had so far is um, Premier Inn and GWR Railways. Now, you can, of course, go to your credit card company and say, um, under Section 75 of the uh, uh, Consumer Credit Act, I wish to um, uh, hold you jointly liable for uh, my money for the trip I didn't pay, um, in which case they are likely to say, well, they might say, have you been offered a voucher? And if you have, they'll say, well, that counts as money for us, which is ridiculous. Um, but that's what I've heard some people have been doing. Um, on top of that, then uh, we are also seeing the um, 
the, the possibility that you could go to money claim online. The court system has effectively stopped. I mean, you can't even get your passport issued. And bear in mind that I calculate there are one million people whose passports have run out um, during lockdown. And uh, that, that's going to be a real problem when we start traveling again. So just keep going. I'm not in favor of being legalistic yet because i don't think it's going to do you any good i just think it's going to get you frustrated the best thing to do is just send them a message saying you owe me money i want it back end of story please tell me when i'm going to get it so uh thank you very much indeed for that stuart be strong stuart hold yes. out be, be um, before <laughs> before we go to our next question we're just going to very quickly send out our first poll i believe so you yes. should see a little box pop up on your screen saying yes. will you feel confident about traveling abroad this summer so if you could just um oh i'm not allowed to vote that's a shame but you're allowed to vote so please do uh, click on whichever applies to you yes no and we'll have a little discussion about the answers after the next question um, which i believe is from i'm very sorry i'm sure i'm going to pronounce your name wrong so i apologize in advance viveka baxi hi there hi. Hello, thank you. Simon, uh, it seems to me in the immediate aftermath of the pandemic that the social distancing makes flying in still a bit more scary proposition. What I would prefer to do is to take a car and drive on the Channel Tunnel train to go to France. At least that way I can be a little bit more secure. When do you foresee that possibility might happen? Right, okay, well, uh, let, we can sort of slightly reverse your car back to the five tests. But um, first of all, Vibeka, I must just take issue with your sense of risk. Um, you're, you're, you're a fit young man. Um, therefore, uh, for, well, first of all, if you are traveling on an aircraft, yes, there is a risk, despite what the airlines might want to say about um, uh, your, uh, your, your um, general, um, uh, you are not completely safe. They're pretending that you are, but everybody knows that you're not. Anyone who thinks that passenger aviation and um, uh, social distancing are compatible, I'm afraid is um, uh, deluding themselves. However, uh, the chances are that if you fly, you will not uh, contract coronavirus and also if you don't contract coronavirus you will not um if you, if you were to uh, the overwhelming chances are in your your particular um condition you would not uh, uh be uh, it would not be fatal um and so you have to balance that against the risk of driving in france have you seen how they drive there honestly it's even worse when you get into italy i mean yes you could drive from here to um nice and that that would be you would reduce most definitely your risk of um, contracting coronavirus but your other risk profile would go through the roof anyway you've asked me um and i, I will now uh, tell you what i think is going to happen right so sooner or later and it might well be round about the time we introduce ironically um the quarantine rule uh, the foreign office will lift its advice and do what i've been urging it to do which is just to say um yeah for these countries we advise you this this and this and for these ones which might well include the united states we advise you not to go at all um so I think that will happen, but the not not much sign that left hand and the right hand of um, government are particularly joined up at the moment. Um, then the uh, and, and at the same time we will be able to tr use transport, particularly private cars, to do more than just um, drive somewhere in the open air and, and drive back, or indeed enjoy the um, uh, riverside uh, views of, of Barnard Castle. Um, so that's going to be. Uh, uh, that that will kind of allow you to get there then of course you've got the french quarantine ahead so the french have said we uh, right they said this in french and my translation may not be entirely accurate but it basically just says we think you are ridiculous you brits bringing in quarantine um at this time you know if you were going to bring it in three months ago would have been the time to bring it in but since you are going to bring it in we're going to introduce our quarantine so there um but then they're going to say Actually, Vivica, um, it, look, if you've got a really good excuse, like you don't fancy quarantine much, then you don't have to adhere to it. So um, you will be all right there. And then it's just a matter of them unlocking. Um, I think, in all honesty, the, number, the dates I've seen coming out of France suggests that sort of third week in July is going to be OK, by which stage, by the way, all quarantine will effectively have been called off. The um, Prime Minister this afternoon at the uh, Commons Liaison Committee effectively said we're going to introduce it 
but then we're going to bring in um, these so-called air bridge arrangements so effectively it will all be um, toast by the end of June anyway so so that so you'll be able to do that meanwhile of course Euro Euro tunnel shuttles on and it's going from Folkestone to Calais every hour and it has been since the dawn of time and will continue to do so Right, because, you know, being over 70 and diabetic, that gives me a little bit oh. security. But the thing is, I was checking the hotels that I normally stay in the Loire, and I would, I, have, I thought in September, October, it'll be going for next to nothing price. But the prices are very high, and surprisingly, given what's going on in the world right now. Yeah, well, that's great. We've had so many people asking uh, Vibeka about prices and what's going to happen to them. And the, the short, two short answers, some of them are going to be really low and some of them are going to be really high. There we are. <laughs> and I realise that doesn't get us very far, but it's true because nobody knows what is happening to supply and demand. We don't know. We've got no idea what the demand will be. You want to go abroad. Helen wants to go abroad. I want to go abroad. In fact, let's um, let's all get into your car and drive. Um, but uh, many people will not, um, and because of the many anxieties that they they fear. Um, and also, on top of that, we don't know exactly what supply it will be put in. So you can, for example, right now, book a trip from Stansted to uh, Tenerife in September for thirty quid return on Ryanair. Or you can go to one of your excellent hotels and pay 300 euros a night, no doubt. Um, and there will be at some stage, once people get un understand it a little bit more, you will, you will see some, some decent um, uh, kind of attractive prices coming into the market. But I'm afraid uh, at the moment, the prices are going to be all over the place. And you just almost have to kind of just, just bite, bite your lip and, and pay it if you want to be in a beautiful chateau in the Loire. Or you can go camping. Camping with Helen, I, 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 I'd, um, I'd enjoy that, that uh, particular yeah, yeah. travel experience with, with you driving, Rebecca, and um, uh, yeah, all, all neatly socially distanced in your car. <laughs> there we are. Um, so a uh, great question. Thank you very much. And um, drive safely, I Indeed. must say. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad you sorted out my holiday plans as well, Simon. That's <laughs> great. Um, just related, actually, I've just seen another question. Um, because Rebecca talked there a bit about health worries, and I think this is quite an interesting one. They've said, uh, the future of the cruising industry seems uncertain, given that many passengers are aged 70 or above, and this section of the British population have been specifically advised not to travel. I would be disinclined to travel for the availability of a vaccine. What's your view? Obviously, that's a bit more health related, but I think it's a good yeah. point. It's, it's a really good point and it's a great moment to talk about the um, future of cruising which is in an even worse position I'm afraid than the future of pretty much every other uh, occupation, every other kind of travel. Um, of course the reason we all kind of thought oh there's something really odd happening there uh, in China was um, well certainly on the travel desk when loads of cruises suddenly started being cancelled and then do you remember all those images of, um, uh, of, of the uh, Diamond Princess in uh, Yokohama Harbour in, in Tokyo and all those you know, poor people stuck on board in a, a, a ship that actually became a kind of a coronavirus hotspot in its own right. Um, and very shortly after that, as you say, the uh, Foreign Office advised against cruising um, altogether. Um, they advised certainly uh, older people shouldn't, shouldn't be um, cruising and while the cruise industry would very much want me to say that uh, the target age is definitely coming down in in fact of course many older people do go on cruises um they have been very much shaken by this the cruise lines will do what they can of course to put in every possible precaution um viruses do spread on cruise ships i've been tracking them just from u.s ships alone there's something about like about uh, 10 uh norovirus outbreaks a year so uh it's it's never been great um with all these concerns i just don't know what's going to happen and then you need to um, layer on top of that the fact that as anybody who's been on a cruise ship will know they are wonderfully multicultural you've got people from a hundred countries working on a typical cruise ship and that's great except they've all got to get to Southampton or Fort Lauderdale or Palmer or wherever um, and many of them are kind of locked down in their own countries so it's a terrible mess I don't think we're going to see any meaningful cruises setting off really until September. Even then, you might find suddenly that the uh, summer has been written off because, apart from anything else, 
when the virus started to go worldwide, um, quite a lot of ships were kind of caught in the Caribbean um, and they didn't make their way across to Europe. So if you start up cruising in September and your boat's still in Florida, then you're probably not going to bother. So uh, cruising, very difficult. And all we can do is just say to people, probably don't book a cruise now until you know what's going on. I, I've been astonished. I think I've seen cruises on sale going into 2022. I've always said with cruising, book late to avoid disappointment, really. Um, a week beforehand is generally enough um, because any, any earlier and you're just laying yourself open to a whole list of possible problems. Ooh, good advice. I don't know if I could hold my nerve to book that late for anything. But um, what about if someone is booked? I myself was in this situation, um, booked to go on a cruise in August. Do you think there's any possibility that's going to set off? Do we think, nah? Well, look, um, in theory, Morella, I think the cruise, uh, cru cruise leg arm whatever it is the cruise bit of um, Tui is saying we're cruising from the 1st of July onwards I don't actually see that happening but I, I don't because the nature of cruises so Baltic cruises for example now we're just getting into the season where it's fantastic you set off from the UK you go through the Kiel Canal you into the Baltic you go to Denmark Sweden Finland um, Germany Lithuania Latvia uh, Estonia and all countries to uh, wonderful St. Petersburg and that's great except that I think I've just named eight countries all of which are going to have their own different rules and indeed if you think about the three Baltic republics Estonia, Latvia and Lithuania they don't actually want anybody who isn't in from um, Estonia, Latvia and Lithuania so um, uh, it's going to be very very messy I'm afraid um, you have to assume that they will be going ahead and I fear like so many millions of other holidays it will just be cancelled but don't worry uh, we're, we're going camping with uh, Vibica aren't we? Yeah, I think right, so. Okay. That's in the diary now. Yeah. Great. Okay, um, I think now we're going to take a look at the answer to our poll that we did earlier. Oh, right. Oh, Okay, that's pretty damning. Uh, it is. Um, look, so we've got 72 people, 72% no, of people, that's 150 of you, saying you do not feel confident about travelling abroad this summer. 28% uh, um are saying that they would. Uh, I've not seen anything quite so extreme. Um, I've been doing um, regular surveys and I'm afraid that that is the most, um, uh, I was going to say depressing, but look, if you don't feel comfortable about traveling, then you, you just um, call it as you see it. Um, however, it does kind of raise the, the, the question that um, actually quite a lot of that 72% I imagine will have trips booked for um, July, booked for August, which as far as the tour operators are concerned and the airlines will still be going ahead. So uh, thank you so much for your votes. We will be um, reporting those in the independent uh, online. So um, thank you. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I'm not that surprised because just anecdotally everyone I speak to, because there's no end date for the FCO advice. I think it, it can just feel a bit like, well, how on earth could I book a trip having no idea whether I'm going to be allowed to go and then will I get my money back? So, yeah, I yeah. can understand it, even if it's a bit like, oh. Yeah, oh, sure. Well, I mean, I'm not, I'm not booking anything at the moment because I don't know what's going to be happening, Helen, but um, I will be booking. It's just that I'm kind of waiting till till those five tests are passed. I mean, there's many, many other anxieties out there. Of course, we, we heard from Vibica about health concerns. Um, there's worries, of course, that you might get caught in somebody else's lockdown after the horrible scenes that we saw really um, in, in March. So uh, plenty of anxiety uh, and plenty of people thinking, actually, we got used to it. We've got, you know, we can get in the car, we can drive to somewhere uh, lovely like Durham and we can um, uh, have a day out there. And why would we ever want to um, uh, go abroad? So I think, yeah, it, that extraordinary numbers that would represent um, just doing the sums instead of 20 million of us going away sort of July and August, 5.6 million people, which is terrifying if you're a travel company, of course. Ooh, and on that depressing note, we're going to go to our next question, which is Andrew Turpin, I believe. Andrew, Hi, what's Simon. your question? Hi, Simon. I'm going to keep the depression going. Oh, uh, no. my, my question is, 
Um, is it correct to think that the, the earliest realistic time to book a foreign holiday is summer 2021? Uh, yeah, that, that's, uh, no, you're not correct with the greatest respect, um, Andrew. Uh, I think the most realistic time to, and you do feel free to heckle, of course, but I think the most realistic time to uh, uh, book a, a, a foreign holiday is about the week after next. Um, we have had, it is true, the health secretary, um, the transport secretary saying, wouldn't bother with uh, this summer if I were you. I'm not booking a holiday. Uh, yeah, summer's been cancelled. Uh, no lavish foreign holidays here. Um, now, they can say that, but that doesn't carry any weight. If they, if they decided, yeah, we are going to um, advise everybody not to go away this summer. Well, they could do that. No reason. You know, they, they can just say uh, foreign office advice. That's what's going to happen. And um, that's just tough. And some of us might go abroad anyway against foreign office advice. But of course, that will invalidate your travel insurance. Um, however, I think that uh, it, it would be. You, you're, you sound, if I may, Andrew, as though you've already made up your mind. Is that fair? Um, well, I should actually be in China now with my wife visiting our youngest son. So, oh, gosh. Um, that one's gone by the wayside. We have got another trip booked for Prague um, for our other son's wedding. So we're not quite sure if that's what's going to happen there. So we have, we've got a few issues this year, Simon, to be honest. Oh, crikey. I'm sorry to hear that. Um, when, when is the wedding in Prague? Um, 21st of August. Oh, that'd be fine. Yeah. I mean, honestly, in terms of logistics, uh, so if I'm just talking through the timings, which I've been working out just before we um, went on air tonight. Um, so clearly what Boris Johnson was effectively was saying was, oh, we're going to look really, really tough. We're going to bring in these, um, uh, the, these barriers to people. Ha, that will keep those foreigners out. It's, it is actually, and I'm very happy to say this in an open forum, uh, it is entirely the work of Dominic Cummings, continuing from the Brexit playbook, which is, uh, put up this, uh, you know, just, just make it clear we're keen on putting up barriers. We want to keep foreigners out. And it is as simple as that. And uh, that, that's the message that the um, uh, Conservatives want to get across. Um, so it's completely pointless. And you can find that out from anybody from the World Health Organization to our own Department of Health. Uh, they will, they will, I mean, they publish papers on it which say that. Um, however, it is going to happen. We will pretend that we're doing something really important for public health for three weeks, um, but then it's just going to uh, shatter into a thousand um, air bridges where the, uh, the, the Czech Republic, who are doing really, really well on coronavirus, will say, um, Oh, yes, Britain, we won't quarantine people coming into our country if you don't quarantine us when we go to your country, knowing full well that they don't have a quarantine anyway and that um, their record is 10 times better than ours. So it's just going to be a, a, a political charade um, in order to justify having brought in a way too much, way too late quarantine for, uh, thing in the first place. So that will all be gone by the end of June, I'm very, very confident. And then everything will kind of just get back to normal. And genuinely, Andrew, I think once um, Helen and I and uh, uh, everybody start coming back from marvellous holidays um, and you know, we haven't uh, contracted any nasty diseases and we're not saying it was miserable, got stuck in our rooms and uh, you, know, you couldn't go out for a drink or a walk or uh, the beach or whatever. I think people will suddenly think, oh, actually, yeah, I'd, I'd like to do that because um, I've seen rather too much of my, um, my surroundings over the past couple of months. But I could be wrong. But anyway, congratulations to your son and his uh, fiance. And um, I hope it's a great occasion. What a wonderful thing. A wedding in Prague. If you've got a couple of spare tickets, Helen and I would be delighted. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Of course, I live in Blackpool, Simon. So when all the restrictions are listed, you'd uh, be more than welcome to come here. Well, I wouldn't be at the moment. Have you seen the Twitter feed? It, the visit Blackpool. Not Twitter right now, but later on, everyone will be more than welcome. Well, it, it says, do not visit Blackpool on the Twitter feed. That is the official Blackpool handle. That's certainly the case now. <laughs> yeah, I, I, shall, I shall be going to Southport. Thank you very much. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for your contrib contribution, Andrew. Thanks, Andrew. Um, related, actually, uh, to, to the whole the quarantine issue, actually, I've just seen this interesting one from Alistair. He's asking, if the quarantine is still in place and my summer holiday is due to go ahead, can I get a refund? That all depends, but the overwhelming chances are that yes, you will. So, um, in, in, in legally, 
if you've booked a holiday and the company can happily and safely take you to Portugal, Spain, Italy, Croatia, Greece at all stations to Turkey and give you a nice holiday and bring you back. That's absolutely terrific. Um, and the fact that when you get back to Manchester Airport or wherever, um, that you immediately have to go and incarcerate yourself in a room having meals left outside by your loved ones. That's not the holiday company's problem. If it were the other way, and you were going out on a holiday and you had to quarantine, it certainly would be their problem and it would be cancelled. Having said that, the two big tour operators who are TUI and Jet2 absolutely recognise that they do not want their customers going on trips they don't want to take. And the vast majority of people would not, uh, would, would neither uh, willingly submit to quarantine just because they have a lovely week in Benidorm first, um, and neither will they invest in um, something the independent deplores but still exists called the Dublin Dodge, uh, where you route yourself back via Dublin and you circumvent the need to uh, uh, to go into self-isolation. Um, it's irresponsible, it increases the risk of infection, please don't do it. Um, so the travel companies, um, Jet2 actually on the day that quarantine was announced said we're cancelling everything till the end of June. Um, and the and TUI hasn't. I think they've really got to make an announcement pretty soon because we're coming up to sort of two weeks before people are ostensibly booked to go away on the 12th of June. I absolutely cannot see that happening. But I guess that they're seeing what happens with foreign office advice, what happens with quarantine, and they will very shortly, either today or later, either tomorrow or at the latest Friday, actually come out and say, right, we have decided um, we're going to cancel everything until might be the end of June, might be later into July, who knows? That's actually a tiny bit reassuring because I just assumed you'd be like, no, can't get your money back. So great stuff. Well, um, um, oh, sorry, let me let me be a little bit can't get your money back. Um, airlines are a very different thing. And already there are many, many cross people who are customers of Wizz Air who um, are seeing that Wizz Air, which completely out of nowhere at the start of May, started saying, right, OK, we've got 15 flights a day back and forth from Luton. And then people suddenly realised, oh, I'm actually booked on that flight to Budapest or Lisbon or wherever. Um, oh, it's going, uh, but I'd like my money back. And they would say, can't have your money back. And you can't even have a voucher. Normal terms and conditions apply. So if you're on a flight only deal, it's a little bit trickier. Most airlines will give you a voucher, but not all of them. And thank you for raising that important point, Helen. I knew it couldn't all be good news. Um, we're going to quickly do another poll now, Ooh. which pop up on your screen. The question is, looking ahead to 2021, will you take more or fewer holidays or the same number of holidays do you think how are you feeling about that well I'm, I'm i will be taking more undoubtedly because i've already missed about five trips this year um and i'd be interested in your your view helen I do, i'm really in between at the moment i'm so i'm finding it hard to look ahead to the future for anything not just travel and I suspect a lot of people are in that situation where you feel almost as if you're kind of in stasis and can't make any decisions because you don't know when things will change um I'm hope I'm hoping that I can move all my many trips that keep popping up on google calendars to next year because it's very depressing to just watch them all go by and have not traveled on them um but yeah I feel I feel completely impotent like I can't make any decisions about it but I must say, uh, anybody who doesn't know, I'm, I'm, I call myself the man who pays his way. Um, Helen is the woman who doesn't fly. And she's chosen this year not to fly anywhere. And I must, have, must say, lockdown's quite, done quite a lot of the heavy lifting for you, hasn't it? By saying you can't go anywhere. Sorry. Yeah, it's been a, a lot less of a challenge than I thought it would be, to be honest. Uh, yeah, I haven't gone on a, on a single plane during this time. How did I do it? <laughs> um, but... Uh, we are, yeah, so please answer that if you haven't already. We'll have a look at your answers in a minute. Um, but we're going to go to Julie Kane for our next question. Hi, Simon. Um, Hi. Good evening. Hi. Uh, you've touched on one or two of these points, so forgive me for asking them again. But I feel fairly confident about visiting European countries in the next 12 months, but not confident about getting there safely. Um, what practical logistical measures uh, can uh, low-cost airlines, if you like, put into place to reassure passengers without prices rocketing? 
great question, Julie. And the answer is none. Or rather, they can put in messages, but they're not going to do the blindest bit of good. I mean, they might do at the margins, they might do a little bit of good. So let's talk through the airline airport journey. There's certain things that you can do most definitely to reduce your risks. Um, and I, I was um, even at the time when um, coronavirus was sort of starting up in well, back end of uh, February going into March. I was still doing lots of traveling, but I was being very, very circumspect. So uh, the first thing you do is obviously check in online. Um, you are hand baggage only, because although a lot of the airlines are saying, right, we want people to take minimum hand, hand baggage because uh, the, uh, you know, it, it means that the, smooth, the security queue is smoother and there's less messing around on planes when you're trying to get your bag into the overhead thing and everyone's standing around and jostling and, 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 and uh, there's all these droplets around. Um, I still think cabin baggage is the way to go. Just a little bit of cabin baggage, that will do nicely because that takes away the bag drop. It takes away the carousel on arrival. Um, obviously contactless when you're buying a cup of coffee um obviously do as little as you make sure you don't trigger the ding at the um uh, security checkpoint so you can miss all that um and you you just keep washing your hands and you'll be told that you've got to put a a, a um a, a mask on that's possibly depending on who you talk to going to do a little bit of good but the, generally the um Public Health England and everybody else doesn't recommend it. And some people say, actually, it causes more problems than it's worth. Um, then you, know, you, you will have your temperature checked. Uh, I must, must say I had to go into an office very recently. Um, and the, uh, it, there was somebody there, very nice chap with an infrared thing. And he said, congratulations, you're 34. I thought he was referring to my age, but it was my temperature, which meant that I was either hypothermic or dead, um, which was a little alarming. But then I found I wasn't either of the above. So it's theatre, pure theatre. Uh, Julie, and there is not going to be anything um, that, that can be done apart from people. I mean, just the two basics. I'll keep washing your hands scrupulously, especially when you've been through that vile security check. I used to work there. I would know. And, um, and, and do not go anywhere near a plane or anybody else if you're feeling remotely symptomatic. That's what's going to take, uh, keep us safe. So there's nothing that can be done. Oh, I suppose, yes, you can. You, there's more of an argument for not making connecting flights for getting direct flights because obviously you double the experience of security checks and milling around and getting on and off planes if you don't fly direct so there will be a premium payable i'm just actually making that's a very important point premium payable for uh, direct flights um so thank you for that okay thank you yeah just uh for example we went to portugal last september and we were talking about i think we spent around about 220 pounds each on a on a ticket, a return flight ticket from the Midlands. Yeah. Um, hopefully those sort of prices will remain. Uh, well, it all, all depends. Look, um, uh, Ryanair is doing about 40% of its planned schedule this uh, this summer. And that's, I think, what other airlines are going to basically settle at. They think that they're going to end up at about 70% by the time we get through to next spring. Um, now, uh, the, the general thing is that they want to keep a lid on supply so that um, uh, prices will go up. And so they certainly want to charge you at least £200 from Birmingham to Lisbon or Faro. Um, uh, you might find some great deals in place. Ryanair have always been so-called load factor active, yield passive. And in English, that means we'll sell the seats at whatever price we have to in order to fill up our planes. Because obviously, once, as soon as you're on the plane, they're going to charge you £100 to check in a bag and £200 for a cheese sandwich. So um, they want to get you on board. Um, so there will be deals around, but but it, there's going to be far less choice. I mean, we just saw tonight, um, just before we went on air, British Airways saying, Leeds Bradford, you're toast. We are not going to be flying from Leeds Bradford anymore to Heathrow. And there's going to be more routes cut like that. It's going to reduce choice. Um, and it's going to take us back, I don't know, maybe to sort of 1995. I've realised that hardly enough have been born, certainly not you, Julian. Uh, but, but um, you know, it's going to be a different time. But actually, now I do suspect that possibly, Julie, you and I can both remember 1995. And it wasn't that bad, was it? <laughs> Thanks very much indeed. I appreciate okay. that. Nice to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.
On a uh, on a related note, I think this is quite an interesting question we've got about flying. Um, it says, is it going to be worth travelling first class again? Obviously, you do this all the time, Simon. Um, <laughs> given that lounges are going to be closed, food and beverage on board is either eliminated or, it, or it's not in the kind of fancy way it was presented previously. Um, amenity kits and blankets are gone. Um, things like, you know, those fancy bars that some planes have are now closed as well. Do you think it kind of eliminates the luxury of traveling that way? I've never got business class. I got upgraded once going from um, Havana to Grand Cayman. Um, that's a flight, unfortunately, of only 20 minutes. And all it meant was that I got an orange juice and a comfortable chair. Um, and I only got that because, can you believe it? I was at the check-in at Havana Airport and the very nice lady was looking at my passport and she said, oh, you were born in Crawley. And um, it's the only place she'd ever been. She'd been sent on a training course to, to Virgin Atlantic in Crawley. She fell in love with it, obviously, wouldn't you, if you were from Havana and you suddenly I mean, ended up sure. in Crawley. So presumably everybody from Crawley, she upgraded. Um, anyway, so... I haven't, I'm not, I'm not a, a connoisseur. I'm most certainly a connoisseur, by the way, and this is really going to affect a lot of people, especially me. So I'm always the last one on the plane. I haven't got a clue what it says on my, my boarding pass. Um, it, it doesn't matter because I'm not going to sit there. I'm just going to be look for, look for three seats together. I'm going to, I'm going to colonize those. I'm not allowed to do that anymore. They are going to say, right, you sit there, you stay there. We don't want anybody moving around. We might even check your tickets to make sure you're, you're, you are actually in 33H, wherever that is, um, because they want, understandably, to contract, pay, uh, con contact trace people um, if, if they suddenly find that uh, uh, Mr. 32F has um, very sadly contracted coronavirus. So there's going to be that. But business class, look, they the whole of the future of business travel is just an absolute disaster from the airlines. There they were motoring on very, very, very nicely. Early February, um, I went out to California and I came back from uh, Florida and I paid 300 quid. It was ridiculous. Um, flying out on Delta, um, back on Virgin Atlantic, fantastic, stupid price. Um, you know, because once you take away the taxes and the airport charges and everything, they got about 40 quid. They didn't care, of course, they didn't, because there were people down the front paying 5,000 quid. So, why would they worry that I was paying much? But now, those people down the front aren't going to be paying 5,000 quid because, first of all, they are. Uh, working for businesses who suddenly think it's a great idea not to spend £5,000 flying someone to Manhattan for a meeting. Secondly, those businesses have noticed that we're getting on perfectly well on Zoom. And so uh, you can have your next meeting and then you're not going to be getting into the office at seven in the morning, staggering in from Heathrow, feeling lousy too. You can do it in your pyjamas, um, maybe. I mean, what you want to do in your pyjamas is entirely up to you. Anyway, uh, so, so a good question, but I, I think business class will suddenly may well become very cheap because the airlines cannot reconfigure their luxury planes that quick and they're going to be flogging off space at the front um, relatively cheaply, I think. Does that mean we might finally see you turning left on a plane? I did once buy a ticket in business class on British Airways from Vienna to... Uh, New York and I did that because at the time the London Vienna return was something like three thousand five hundred pounds from Vienna you paid a thousand pounds and um, I just want I had to prove that you could do it for the independent and um, I did and it was sort of very nice but it, I mean it was it was one thousand pounds worth of nice it certainly wasn't three thousand pounds worth of nice I mean, you'd have to get a lot of nice for three thousand pounds in my yes. book anyway I, yeah. I don't really understand it um and we've got our next question ready, I believe, from Brian. Uh, oh, am I unmuted? Yes, sorry. Uh, <laughs> hello, Simon. It's, it's, it's great to actually chat to the person who's been giving me wonderful advice for the past 25 or so years. Is that Helen? <laughs> <laughs> Do you temper the answers to your questions about travel based on the age and other related factors of the questioner? Or is it okay just to, in the current circumstances, to offer generalised responses? No, that's a great question, Brian. But of course, everybody is an individual. Everybody yeah. brings their own 
requirements, their own ideas, their own um, circumstances to uh, the travel table, and of course, um, uh, you know, age and, and pre-existing medical conditions are arguably more relevant than they have ever been. So, um, you know, if you if you tell me the circumstances, I will do my best to tailor it to those. Um, yeah, one of one of the saddest things I think about this um, whole wretched business is that the sort of people who've been absolutely celebrating the opportunity to travel and doing great things filling up beds off peak um older travelers um, are being uh told that you can't just be a um, yeah you, you you absolutely can't just suddenly um go away and spend as long as you want and that's a real problem and actually it almost brings in um the whole insurance issue which is i guess another webinar completely um, because the the aspects of that so yeah it's a um i do try and tailor it and of course i try and answer as many questions as i can daily in uh, the independent daily edition and um you know i just try and match it but obviously try and make it relevant for as many people as i can as well and i um look forward to be roundly heckled when i don't get it right so what do you say to my daughter who won't even let me travel to tesco to allow her 71-year-old dad to take, to take his rescheduled trip to Copenhagen in September. Oh, Copenhagen in September will be perfect. I'd say two words, if I may, duty-free. Duty-free. Only because the prices are so ludicrous in Copenhagen. I know it's not really duty-free, but it's still cheaper than when you get there. Of course you should go to Copenhagen. Do you want me to have a word with her? Is she there, Brian? Um, <laughs> right, for goodness sake, yeah, look, yes. There are going to be risks, but you've been, you, you know, here you are, you, you've been through a whole lifetime of risks and look at you now. Um, there's, there's no reason at all to go, uh, not, not to go. Clearly, talk to your GP. If she or he thinks it's a bad idea, they can let you know, but, but of course not. I mean, you know, it would be great. Um, we, we are, I think, um, if I may, coronavirus is becoming this vast, terrifying monster. Um, and in fact, it's not. We've seen horrible, horrible circumstances right across uh, the UK, and it's been dreadful. But um, actually, uh, the the numbers are coming down. They are coming down across Europe. Works underway for a vaccine, but I wouldn't wait for a vaccine. I'd go to Copenhagen in September, um, but I'd also probably take sandwiches as well. Uh, there you are. <laughs> You. And, and obviously uh, Danish Krona, so many people turn up in Copenhagen having been to the Bureau de Change and got their nice Euros only to find that them damn Danes insist on their own Krona. Yes. Anyway, thank you, Brian. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Brian. And uh, if your daughter says no, I'm sure you'll be invited on this mass camping trip that we're now <laughs> apparently taking. So please, please do join us. <laughs> um, I've just seen a, a, a related question, not making any comments or aspersions about Brian's age um, here, but it says, uh, this is from Peter, do you foresee the demographics of travel shifting, um, therefore getting taken over by a younger public with fewer grey pounds chasing the sun? Oh, look, short term, yeah, there will be all kinds of bizarre things going on in the travel market. And, you know, it's a, we're going to go from absolute abject misery for people working in the travel industry to oh crikey is this ever going to get any better and it will do but initially of course you're going to have um a lot of people who like brian's daughter says don't even think about going to copenhagen and lots and lots of anxiety um and i guess that's you know i i'm uh, i'm i am risk averse i really am i i'm um but i also like to think i'm i'm fairly kind of risk aware and for goodness sake, the biggest danger anywhere is crossing the road when you're you're on your phone or you're not paying attention or whatever. That's that's what's going to get you. Or being involved in a road accident, maybe an accident in water. Coronavirus is a nasty, vile virus, but it's kind of just a little corner here compared with the great overall risk uh, that waits outside for us at all times. So, uh, yeah, it will, um, and not least because obviously. Um, while I know for a fact um, that the older you get, the less risk averse you should be. Generally, it's younger people who um, demonstrate uh, less risk aversion. So it will change, but you know, it will it will then revert to type, um, not least because I imagine that any of us who are lucky enough to have jobs will be 
working away in <laughs> uh, arduous circumstances while they, I hope, have still got their index links pensions. Ha <laughs> ha. So they'll be sending us lots of um, uh, online postcards from gorgeous parts of the world like Copenhagen. Nice. Um, and also speaking of risk, um, we've had quite a few questions about travel insurance, which I think is a great oh, yeah. point because, I mean, I've seen on my own, my renewals come up and they said, oh, by the way, yes, it will cost you the same amount, but you're not covered for any coronavirus situations whatsoever to do with any of your holiday. Um, so we have had a couple of questions around that. Um, do you think that those clauses are going to be lifted at any point? Is there any way to shop around to make sure you are covered? I think that's another area that's putting yeah. people off booking because they think, oh, well, I'm not covered for anything right. to do with the virus. Okay, let me see if I can do the two minute travel insurance thing. Travel insurance companies are also risk averse, which is why many of them actually, about half the providers just stopped selling any kind of travel insurance because they just thought we do not want to expose ourselves to all manner of risks. We're going to let the market settle down and then see what happens. Um, really big specialist travel insurer. I use them myself, uh, Columbus. They are basically saying exactly as you say, Helen, we're stopping uh, selling any insurance with any cover for COVID-19. Now, there are two broad risks involved with COVID-19. The first one is um, that you're going to have to have a cancellation claim because you, for instance, have booked a flight to somewhere and now the foreign office said you can't go and you got your money back from the airline, but you haven't got it back from the very nice boutique hotel um, at the other end. So that's 200 euros, please. Those, I think, are gone pretty much forever or until COVID-19 becomes under control. So effectively book at your own risk or better still book a package holiday as we always recommend at the independent um and i've got uh, 50 seconds left the other risk is of course uh medical treatment and that's the vast for the vast majority of people that is the key risk that travel insurance is for now a couple of things there uh we are seeing coming onto the market uh policies which do cover you for uh covid19 now it's difficult there's a sort of slight difficulty over whether it's a COVID-19 that you contract abroad or one that you become symptomatic with abroad so you need to be sure about that but of course anybody in the UK um, is still until the end of the year covered under their European health insurance card for treatment in anywhere in the EU in a public hospital at little or no cost so for an awful lot of people uh, your EHIC card at least till the end of 2020 is going to be um, the best insurance that you have for COVID-19 just made it. Woo! I'm going to miss that little e-hit card. I'm so sad. The idea of its demise. Um, right, we are, yes, coming near to the end now. So we're going to take a look at our poll that we did. We didn't forget about you. Mm. Looking ahead to 2021, will you take more, fewer or the same number of holidays? Isn't that interesting? Um, yeah. just, uh, uh, look, first of all, I need to reveal to our lovely uh, viewers this evening um, that we have a bit of discussion about this um, in a socially distanced way, of course, um, about whether we were going to ask more or fewer, uh, sorry, more or the same or fewer or the same. Um, and then we decided we'd obviously have the third option. I'm very glad we did because uh, that's, that's sort of reassuring. So the picture I'm taking from that is that this year, people are really, really concerned about um, the uh, problems, the possible problems that might await, uh, await, await them. But those very same people, and we've got your numbers, um, thank you, are saying next year I'm going to do at least as much travelling um, and I'm probably going to do actually a bit more. And that's really, really good news for, um, for us because <laughs> we work in the travel industry in our own, own little way. But um, it's also very encouraging that people are going out and thinking, yep, I want to explore the world because I look, I've been um, spending my entire life on holiday pretending to work. Um, and now all I can do is pretend to work without the holiday, which is um, very, very upsetting. But genuinely, 
tourism is an immense force for good. It, of course, enriches us, it makes us feel better, but it also, crucially, transfers wealth from richer countries to poorer countries. And that's why I'm most concerned about the tens of millions of people right now in various parts of the developing world who are just waiting for tourists to come back. And that's why I'm so angry with, with governments, um, in particularly ours, uh, which, which appears to be um, uh, restricting that for its own purposes. So, uh, no, it's, it's great to know that you're taking so many holidays. Um, and uh, thank you very much indeed for spending uh, time uh, this evening. It's been really, really stimulating for me getting all these uh, fantastic questions. Helen and the rest of the team, who you can't see, have done fantastic fantastically well and all I've done is um, talk nonsense about travel which frankly is all I ever want to do. Um, so handing back now to um, Helen Coffey, Deputy Head of Travel at The Independent um, and I think she's going to close proceedings. Yes thank you Simon. Um, as you well as we can see there are quite a few questions left at the bottom as I suspected there have been far more than we possibly had time to answer. Um, if you do have a burning question still, please don't think that's at the end of it. Um, if you head over to social media, to Simon's Twitter or his Instagram page and post it there, I'm sure he'll be happy to help. Um, I'm assuming he's nodding vigorously right now. Um, <laughs> I, I did check with him, it's fine. Um, thank you for tuning in and for your really great input and questions. Um, thank you so much, Simon, for your expertise that you've shared with us. Um, tonight has been part of our independent premium series of virtual events um, and I know lots of you are already subscribers but if you're not, um, just to let you know if you sign up to independent premium you get early bird access to all tickets to all our events um, and the next one is from our health correspondent Sean Linton about the future of the NHS so that should be really interesting. And plus there's a huge amount of exclusive content online you get access to as well so if you're at all interested in that please head over to independent.co.uk forward slash subscribe to find out more um, and you can also keep up to date with all the latest travel on our facebook page the independent facebook page where every day simon is doing due diligence and doing a, a facebook live q a from 12 o'clock so tune in for that as well uh, but for now, thank you so much for joining us again and have a fantastic rest of your evening. Thanks for listening, everyone. Hope you enjoyed that. I know I did. Remember, if you want to take part in events like that one and have access to exclusive content, then click the link in the description of this podcast and subscribe to Independent Premium.